Hello there, welcome to True Crap Pop. It's part of the True Cult Pop podcast, a little side hustle that we like to do. My name's Stephen Hill. Hope you're really, really good. And joining me, very much the uh, Lieutenant Al Powell to my John McLean <laughs> on this week's episode. It's only bloody, it is only Sam Slight. Couldn't be anyone else. So it's it couldn't be Sam no Slight. no one else would be foolish enough to subject themselves to eighty seven bad bad albums. Yeah. Well, eighty five and Naomi uh, Naomi Woman. Oh, Naomi Woman. You know you know the rest. <laughs> Naomi Woman and the Red Hot Minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good. Uh, <laughs> how you been, Sam? Good. Yeah. All right. You know, plodding along. You yeah. know. Just doing more of these. More of these, so, really. Doing you know. your walks for yeah. main cap as well, aren't you? <laughs> Sponsor walks for yeah, main cap. Good. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. Yeah, all right. Thank you, mate. How are you? It's been so long since I saw you at Pulp and we were fuming about the queues. Absolutely fuming at the queues. I mean, hey, go yeah. over to um, uh, the, well, the feed you're on right now and listen to a couple of weeks ago to hear me moan about Finsbury Park. Well, it's not... You're you're a lot more measured than I've been when I've been telling people how the gig was after yeah, the fact. Pretty annoying. What's yeah. annoying about it yeah. is that Pulp have done a bunch of other gigs that I could mm. have gone to, but I thought oh, I'd just see him mm. once at Finchley Park and see all the other things. And everyone's been going, yeah. oh my God. Like Rich Hobson went to the, I think we in Sheffield and he was like, oh, well, go away. Went to yeah, they've done two in Sheffield. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable, incredible, best gig of the year. Mm. And I was like, Three, three hour queue for the bar, was it? And he was like, nah. And I went, brilliant. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, life. You're <laughs> shitting on my face again, aren't you? Anyway, oh, speaking of having your face shat on, that's not really what this is, <laughs> podcast is about. Uh, really? This is a podcast where we are searching for the worst album ever made in the history of music. Before I go any further, I am going to say, go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash true cult pop, where you can sign up for exclusive content over there. Coming this week, is some stuff i don't give it as much of a plug on this one to be honest sam don't know why nah. can't be bothered just takes up mm. time doesn't it no one listens anyway do they yeah. no one listen only got four they're not here for the good 400 stuff. odd yeah. listeners what what a sad amount of that i mean there's a quote from noel gallagher right because i'm did go good you only got 400 patrons which i thought was hilarious because you want to go and have a look at some of the other podcasts that are uh of a similar size to us other podcasts are available. <laughs> yeah, so, not yeah, as good. I mean, uh, but yeah, they're out when there. Um, when Be Here Now didn't sell as many copies as What's the Story Morning Glory. Oh, I cried myself yeah. to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I said to Noel Gallagher, "Oh, you're losing it a bit now, aren't you?" And he went, "Yeah, go and fucking tell that to Echo Belly." That's how I feel <laughs> about somebody <laughs> saying we don't have enough patrons. I'm very, very grateful for our patrons, even if it was only two of you. But it's not. It's a good. That's a. It's a good amount. Anyway. I would describe that as a healthy yeah, it's number. It's a very healthy number. Um, mm. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Can't remember. This all gets a bit ramshackle. Something about being shat being on. Shat on. Faces yeah, being so, shat on. Yeah, so, you know, patreon.com forward slash true cop pop. No faces get shat on over there. <laughs> oh, no. I've mm. uh, got a beginner's guide to Entombed coming up quite soon. So that'd be a laugh, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, yes. But like I say. Uh, since, since you said that on that episode about Talk Talk, which was brilliant, Thanks, by mate. the way, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Entombed. Good band. Can't really talk about that pound sort of thing. Pounds. Pound for pound, mm. yeah. The most vicious yeah. of all. Yeah. Chainsaw guitars. Check. Um, <laughs> uh, vocals about, you know, being sort of devilly man and the Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, listen, we have to talk about one particular album today. The albums that we cover on this show, just so you know, they're not picked for us because we've gone, God, I hate that record. It's rubbish. Otherwise, it'd just be 
be me doing the We Came As Romans back catalogue over and over again. No yep. one wants to hear that, do they? So they are chosen due to their reputation, your suggestion, the critical standing, a fan reaction, or something else where you just go, something's a bit wonky here with this record. And this mm. week on the show, we are going to be talking about the return of Bruno. Who's Bruno? Where's he been? Well, I'll tell you, uh, we don't know where he's been, but he's Bruce Willis. It is Bruce Willis, the debut Ooh. studio album from A-list Hollywood royalty. Bruce Willis, that's right, John McClane. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. Ernest in Death Turns out he's a ghost as well. Released on the... Oh, what, in Die Hard? Yeah. <laughs> Die Hard, yeah. I've not seen that. Uh, released yeah. on the 20th of January, 1987. Before we get too far into this, I'm going to do the rankings, the top 20 worst albums we have so far in a minute. I am going to say this, right, before we go any further. We're spinning a bit of a Russian roulette wheel with this uh, episode, I feel, Sam. Because this mm. is the only time so far where we've done, or I've done one of these, and we've only done a few of these, but where I've done one of these where we literally may be mocking the album of someone who is uh, literally about to die. And yeah, yeah. It, to be sort of serious for a second, we don't wish any ill at all on Bruce Willis. I actually... Nope. I think Bruce Willis is great. He's a great actor. He's been in some films that I love. A very charming screen presence. Yeah, he's really, really great. Yeah. There are some funny things about this record. So I want mm. to just sort of say to take this in the spirit it was intended. If we put this out tomorrow and then the next day they go, oh, Bruce Willis has just died. I, I mean, you know it's, it's going to happen, It's almost certainly going to happen <laughs> because, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I nearly said get well soon, Bruce Willis then. Unfortunately, it's... We've kind of passed. It's not, it's going, not to going to happen. Sadly, but yeah. Bruce Willis is a great man. He's just yeah. not great at everything. And nobody is, right? No. But I try and take this episode with the spirit in which it was intended. Hey, hey, hey. We didn't kill Cliff Richard. So he might and have, we he might really have tried as well. Yeah. We, we tried. We really yeah, tried yeah. to kill Cliff Richard <laughs> as well. And it didn't happen. Um no. So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to kind of put that caveat at the start of the episode because I was like, when this came out of the hat, I was like, brilliant. Came out of the hat randomly and then we've left it for a long time and then Bruce Willis's health has deteriorated to a point where, yeah. So look, it's it's mm. just a bit of fun and we, we bear, unlike Muse, I bear Bruce Willis no ill will whatsoever. Completely agree. We'll, we'll get into yes. that as well. Anyway, the 20 worst yeah. albums that we have so far. We're going to be ranking this album alongside lots of records. There are 80 odd in there. You know the fucking story as to why you've only got four episodes of this and there's 80 albums in. I'm sure you know that by now. If you don't, you you really don't need to think, think for yourself. Um, no. the, the top 20 <laughs> worst albums we have in the list so far are Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original soundtrack from the movie, The mm. Rebirth by Little Wayne, Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, Eogan Quig by Owen Quag, Testify by oh. Phil Collins, Graveyard Classics Volume 2 by Six Feet Under, Blood, Sweat and Towers by Towers of London, Cut the Crap by The Clash, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman, Philosophy of the World by The Shags, Asshole by Gene Simmons, Total Zanarchy by Little Zan, Paula by Robin Thicke, Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem. Double Wide by Uncle Cracker. Bad Blood by Blood on the Dance Floor. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it by Broken Side. Concerto in True Minor by the True Symphonic Rockestra. 
Crazy Frogs presents crazy hits and still just the overall biggest car crash of the lot. My teenage dream mm. ended by Farah Abraham. And into that list will go somewhere. Probably not in that top 20, I would imagine. The Return of Bruno by Bruce Willis, as I said, released on the 20th of January, 1987. Where the fuck do we start with this one, really then, Sam? Because the emergence of Bruce Willis as an actual pop star feels a bit weird, I think, right? It's Mm. not like, there's not a sort of story that I'm aware of. You know, like, you know, oh, the Blues Brothers were a sketch on Saturday Night Live and then they became, they did a film of it and then it became a thing and, da, 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 mm-hmm. and they went out and toured it. Or, you know, Will Smith was a rapper and then he got uh, his chance, his own sort of sitcom vehicle and ended up being a really, really good actor. Um, if mm-hmm. a little bit hot-headed. Um, a little yeah. bit, yeah. Uh, but with Bruce Willis... It just seems to be a thing that happened that no one ever now sort of really mentions. Mm. And no one ever saw it coming. There doesn't seem to be that much information, as we'll get to, as to how this actually came about. It's just suddenly one day, there it is. Bruce Willis has an album. And then it does all right. Everyone sort of forgets about it. It's gone. And it's become like this kind of kitsch, cult, weird thing in the past. Mm. I think cult and weird definitely sum up uh, some of the reactions to it that I've seen. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it may be because he was not a big, proper, proper, huge A-list star at this point. Uh, no. This is a year beca- before he becomes really famous with Die Hard. I think this is as close to like Pete Bruce Willis as you can be without being Pete Bruce Willis. Cause at this point he's in moonlighting, isn't he? Or is he just about to be cast? No, no, he's cast in moonlight. He's been doing moonlighting for a couple mm. of years. And that's sort of the show that really, um, put Bruce Willis on the, on the map of sorts. I mean, he, I think he had mm. done a few films uh, at that point. He started to become more of a, like, you know, a leading man in some smaller films, but moonlighting was, was a massive show. So moonlighting, uh, was, uh, him and Sybil Shepherd. Have you ever watched moonlighting? I haven't, no. No, I haven't. No. I mean, I feel like I should I should seek it out because um, obviously, as we know Bruce Willis now, he is Bruce Willis and he always played the same kind of grizzled action, you know, post John McClane character. But, you know, when you actually see his comedic chops in the odd bits and bobs where he pops up, like Death Becomes Her, I think he's quite good as yeah. quite a timid character in that playing against type. He was really good in Friends as well, especially mm-hmm. when there was that kind of reversal at the end where he does turn into a, you know, screaming man child. Um yeah, I'm, I'm going to check it out, but I haven't to date. Well, he beat over 1,000 other actors to get the part mm. in Moonlighting. And for those of you who don't remember Moonlighting, it's essentially, it's quite an, it was a massive show. And I do remember it being on telly in the UK in the kind of mid to late 80s. But obviously I was very young and I just thought it was like some sort of American sitcom. And I know mm. they did like, they did weird stuff in it. Um... And I think it's one of those things that were kind of sort of considered groundbreaking television in a lot of ways. It broke the fourth wall quite a lot. It did this and that. But I think also it's probably now. Do you need to watch that now? I mean, so many people have done it since that I sort of go, Mm. do I need to watch Moonlighting now? I mean, I don't think I'd like watch it and get invested in it, but I'd like to see some of it just because I do like seeing Bruce Willis on screen. And obviously that's not going to happen in many new things now. Well, nothing now, but... 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's pretty good. I bet it's very, very dated. I mean, I didn't realize if it had even really crossed over the Atlantic. I assumed it was kind of just an American concern, really. It got shown on there a little bit. I don't remember it being an absolutely massive thing. Yeah. I think it was on uh, BBC Two uh, around the same time. They'd have that, and then Mash would be on. Ah, fair enough. That is that sort of thing. I um yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, like look at the clips I've seen of it. There are a few clips that they all, you know, when they talk about Moonlight and they always show a, a couple of clips. One of them is a bit where, because the whole thing was the will they, won't they of him and his character and Sybil Shepherd's character. Will they ever get off of each mm. other? That was the thing, wasn't it? Like they don't, they've got this kind of love-hate relationship. Will they ever get off each other? They do in the end. They do, by the way, spoiler. Yeah. I don't want to spoil spoiler. something from 1986. Um, that you haven't bothered watching. Um, that's not really my. But you I have. Know, I have done you have that. Now. It's not my. You should have. Mm. If you really were that annoyed, you probably should have found time to watch it <laughs> by now. Um, but they show yeah. a clip where they're about to kiss, and then they say it's just what the audience wants, and then they sort of look, and Bruce Willis does like quite a, quite a cheesy wink, and I was always I was a bit like ah, that seems a bit dated now, a bit like do you know what mm. I watched last night? Threads. You ever seen that? Oh God, no, I haven't. I mean, obviously that's been doing the yes. rounds on social media because of the new uh, Instagram version of Twitter. Um, yeah, it looks uh, harrowing. It looks horrifying. It's quite harrowing, but it's also quite dated because it's kind of, it's all meant to be like mockumentary style, but the, but they're like, because uh, the okay. actors back in those days, no one could kind of properly act naturalistically enough. <laughs> so the person could be, Appar- they didn't invent acting till the 2000s. Yeah. Apparently somebody's yeah. dropped the bomb on the Americans and now they're going so I have to get out of here quick and you're supposed to think that that's a real person and I was just like how did I not same with Ghostwatch you know I watched Ghostwatch back I was like how did I not know this kid was an actor what a fucking thick idiot I was what a stupid <laughs> what a stupid thick idiot you know you hear those stories about the that the, tra- the the film where the train comes towards them and the whole cinema like ran yeah, out yeah, back yeah. in the day <laughs> and you think god what a bunch of what a bunch of thick what a bunch of morons they were. What a bunch of thick fucking morons. And now I look back and I fucking go, I probably odds. would have been one of those people who ran out going, oh, I'm going to get run over by a train just because I saw it on film. <laughs> it's coming right like at a, me. Like a massive gullible tosser. That's that's mm. me in the 80s and early 90s. So that's why I never, I'm never falling for anything sure. ever again, <laughs> Sam. Never. Never, never again. <laughs> <laughs> apart from when uh mate from upon a burning body went missing and i was like oh no i hope he's all right oh, oh right. for fuck's sake they got me again um <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. i don't know what that's got to do with this very little i would imagine um mm. but uh yeah moonlight was big uh he was also in a film called blind date before this mm. i have not seen this film but i did read the plot summary on wikipedia and i don't think i'll be watching it it sounds bad sound, mate Blind Date is absolutely dreadful. It's absolutely fucking dreadful. It's basically like his first... It's it's his his first first leading role in a film, isn't it? So it's it's a Blake Edwards film. Now, Blake Edwards is famous doing The Pink Panther and is Mm -hmm. quite a kind of respected comedy person. Um... But this film is absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Him and Kim Bassinger go on a blind date and then... She goes mental she when goes she has a drink. Absolutely mental. And uh, loads of stuff. Hey, we've all we've done all, it. We've, we've all, all gone it. on a date with Bruce Willis and got pissed and then sort of got, yeah, got yeah. him arrested. Um, yeah. And then 
and then reconciled for you know kind of a happy yeah, ending got, to the third got act. married yeah. at yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of the night spoiler yeah. oh fucking hell um mm. yeah so uh, it, blind date is a film which if we were doing this about films i would absolutely <laughs> be like we gotta do blind date because it is fucking dreadful so at this point wow like, yeah okay. mate, it's awful absolutely awful um <clears throat> But he did a fair bit of singing on Moonlighting to go back to Moonlighting. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of written into the show that his character would break into song a lot. Uh, something that annoyed Sybil Shepherd's character. And that would then go on to annoy the rest of the world, which is quite a, quite a beautiful <laughs> thing. Um, yeah. Um, so anyway, what we're saying is Bruce Willis was a big star. And he was offered in 1986 a contract to be the face of Seagreams Golden Wine Coolers. Wow, like, I mean, you like, that, that, how could you turn Do you like Seagreams golden wine coolers, Sam? They're only the best golden wine coolers you ever did see. They made a top... F- I don't even know what that is. Three. A wine cooler. A wine right? cooler. So, um, right. so it's basically some wine. I didn't realise there was such a competitive market that they'd need a kind of <laughs> a budding A-list star to be the face well, of it. Well, in the 80s, wine coolers. So... Um, All the rage. Oh, yeah, big times, yeah. So... Platform heels, wine coolers. That I, I mean, I I don't really know what what I'm, I'm actually looking. I'm on the Seagreams. It's SeagreamsEscapes.com, and so basically, a wine cooler it, it is it's just sort of a different name for what we over here would call an alco pop, I believe. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant like <laughs> like a cool box. No, 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 no. They have watermelon right, margarita. Okay. In a can, pineapple uh, cherry lime cans. They have Jamaican me happy. I don't. Even, that doesn't say that. I wouldn't buy that because it doesn't help at all, does it? Jamaican yeah. me happy. No, she drank it of her own accord. Oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. work. Uh, a frozen coconut colada. Um, yeah, it's all stuff like that. It's all stuff. It's all right. stuff like that. That's what you do. So yeah, like ready mixed cocktails that you get like two for a, two for a, two for five five for twenty pounds in Tesco or whatever. Five. I was thinking about the 90s yeah. again, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As so often happens on this podcast. It's quite an odd... I mean, you know, I wouldn't turn down five million quid to to be the face of Seagreams Golden Wine Coolers in 1986. I think that's a pretty yeah. fucking good job. It does seem like mm. a weird, weird choice, isn't it? A bit of an odd choice to pick this man from a sitcom to be the choice of your, like, pina colada. <laughs> what... That is, I think that's a bit weird, but personally, I think that's a bit weird. Yeah. I mean, they should have waited a year or so and then got him as John McClane to do it. Sales would have been through the roof. Yeah. Uh, Now now I know what a Seagreams golden wine cooler feels like. Yes. (laughs) Could have said that, couldn't he, when he was crawling through the... That would have been good. It could have said Uh, Anyway, I watched some of the ads, Seagreams um, golden wine coolers ads, and... um, they're quite bad, I've got, I've got to say. Mm. They're quite bad. I mean, American adverts are bad now, let alone in the 1980s. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. one where he's in a bar and he's sort of, he's basically showing off. If I saw him in a bar, I would be like, mate, just fucking sit down. Do you know what I mean? Because he's kind of like, dan- <laughs> you're not famous he's dancing around and he's got a mm. bottle and he starts singing, and he's doing the thing, sea greens, cool and dry. That's what he keeps singing. Um, he shouts it in a dog's face at one point. <laughs> I was just like, mate, 
That seems needless. <laughs> Why are you shouting in the dog's face? But he goes up to Sharon Stone and he convinces her. He basically sort of bullies Sharon Stone. A pre-fame mm. Sharon Stone. Again, kind of pre-massive mm. fame Sharon Stone. Basically sort of convinces her to buy a wine cooler by singing, dancing and playing the harmonica in front of her. I mean... Would that work on you? It'd get me to buy one. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely, definitely. That'd be good, yeah. would it? That's what you... If someone was like, get, have this... Have this fruity pineapple alcoholic drink. Have this, and then I'll stop singing and dancing at you. I'll go, fine, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, maybe. Um, Seagreams, cool and dry coolers is what he keeps singing. And um, the other ad is even worse. It's a porch, and he comes out, and he's got a bottle of something, and he's just singing it over and Mm. over again into the faces of various men who are playing banjos, washboards, like those kind of, those boxes that you hit. And it... Well, it's a, it's a drink that appeals to the everyman. Again, it like you are not going to change America. Surely, blokes in the, the especially in the eighties, you're not going to make. Why are they trying to sell this to men? I just didn't understand. Why are you trying to sell this like fruity fucking watermelon alcoholic like alco pop drink to a load of like rough men? They're like men with their fucking flat mm. caps, not flat cap, but like with with like trucker hats on and trucker hats, and stuff. Yeah. Sat out on the porch. Dancing with Bruce Willis. So I was got, like, this is absolutely mad. Yeah. Bruce Willis sells uh, ready mixed cocktails to the cast of Deliverance. It, from the it was, Again, if, they, if they'd have waited a couple of years, they could have sold it to the masculine market. He could have said, ho, ho, ho. Now I've got a frozen pina colada mix from Seagram's <laughs> Wine Coolers. <laughs> yeah. And when Hans Gruber was falling off of the Nakatomi mm. Plaza, instead of... The, him holding on to the watch he could have been holding on to the Seabream's golden <laughs> wine cooler yeah. and yeah, yeah. Holly, the, um, ring Holly, Gen- Holly Gennaro could have taken the last sip and gone mm, that was delicious and then let go of the bottle mm. and then he would have fallen to his uh, his death what a world of, the path not taken it, it, it's it's a shame isn't it it's a shame that we didn't get a, a whole yeah. series of um Seabream's wine coolers with uh, based on the Die Hard film. I think that would have been quite good. Mm, mm, um, mm. Anyway, anyway, he <laughs> did that. So he was like, he was singing. So, you know, look, he's doing, he's doing Moonlighting. Uh, he's mm. doing those ads. And then he just records an album. There you go. It's just like, there's an album. I've recorded an album. We don't really know when or where or why. Well, we did. We know it was 1986. And we know that it was produced mm. by Robert Kraft, who has produced a lot of people, everyone from Ozzy Osbourne to George Benson to Kermit the Frog. He's produced as well. Cool. He's got quite the CV. The big, as, uh, the big four. As Robert Kraft. And, yeah. I mean, actually, just, uh, I'm going to get his, um, get his uh, uh, working uh, extensively in the recording Vile industry, stats. producing, co-producing arts and artists such as Linda Ronstadt, Dr. John, Bette Midler, Celia Cruz, Tito mm. Puente, Johnny Mathis, Bruce Willis, Jimmy Buffett, Don Henley, George Benson, Ozzy Osbourne, Southside Johnny, Albert Collins, Vonda Shepard, Melissa Manchester. Um, oh, and his songs have been recorded by the Manhattan Transfer, Bette Midler, Roberta Flack, Los Lobos, Diana Sher, Bruce Willis, Joy Enrique, Dr. John, and Kermit the Frog. It's an, uh, yeah, eclectic CV, but they've all got one thing in common. Um, yes, <laughs> they're all written by him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. 
I was going to say, they all have the taste of a sea green wine. <laughs> right, from, yeah. But yeah. And that yeah, as well. Refreshing taste. Uh, yeah, yeah. They've got two things. So the thing that impressed me most about um, this gentleman, Robert Kraft, is he won mm. an Oscar for a song that he wrote in 1989. Oh, Do you know what the song that he wrote that would excite me in 1989 that much is? Well... Now let's think about. He also know, wrote some songs. Great, album, by the way, so that's why I'm bringing him into this conversation. Yeah. But yeah, go on, have a guess. Great films of that era. Ooh, I'll was give you it a, fight the power. I'll give you a clue. Oh, you fucking wish it was fight the power. I'll give you a clue. <laughs> They've recently remade this film, and the version of the song, by all accounts, is not as good. Oh God! I mean, they remake everything these days, don't they? Do, they? Yeah. Uh, oh, get on, get my soapbox, bloody hell! Just, oh, stop it, Hollywood! <laughs> stop with your Marvel films, uh, Steve. I've got no idea. It is Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. He wrote of Sebastian the is. Crabs Under the Sea. <laughs> Under the Sea. There'll be no. Yeah. Oh no! I was thinking of the Simpsons parody version. <laughs> There'll be no accusations. <laughs> Just friendly crustaceans under the sea. I mean, Go on. fucking hell. What a lad. He wrote it. So the guy who produces this album, That's that, is, that is yeah. caliber. That is quality. I can't see how this album can fail when this man, this is a man who is currently in his mind sort of gestating and <laughs> writing considering. He's like cartoon thinking crap. about this song that I've got to write for Disney. I'll do Bruce Willis first. But when I come back, but mm. I've got this kernel of genius in my mind, and it was under the sea. So that's pretty. That's pretty fucking exciting, I would say. Um, I didn't know that song won an Oscar. It won an Oscar, mate. It won an wow. Oscar. It won an Oscar, presumably Crikey, for blimey. best song, not for like I don't know. But yeah, Academy <laughs> Award winner, best original screenplay. It won. Um, uh, wow. So I've just clicked on it. You look flabbergasted. I, yeah. Okay. So it won the it won the Academy Award for best original song. Here's something mm. which has just blown my fucking mind completely. The, two, the 2023 remake of The Little Mermaid. Guess who mm. performs this song in that film? Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh, no. No. Fucking Debbie Diggs from Clipping. Are you fucking kidding me? Jesus. I know. <laughs> wow. Okay. Bloody hell. That is mad, isn't it? Presumably, uh, William Hudson and Jonathan Snipes haven't done the backing for it. <laughs> they're they're, they're going to do uh, A Whole New World. Um, for One of them did A Whole <laughs> New World, and the other one did... Uh, Visions of a Whole New World being uh, Did uh, the, the thing that Angela Lansbury does in Beauty and the Beast. What's that one? Well, Beauty and the Beast, isn't it? Beauty and the Beast. Um, yeah, that'd be the one. Yeah, fuck me. Well, there you go. That's pretty exciting. Crikey. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? So... Um, mm. There you go. That's what he did. So he's the guy doing it. It was released on. I mean, again, why is there no information about this? Do you know, you know what label this album was released on? Yeah, Motown. Yeah, yeah. It was released on Motown mm. Records, which I honestly I can't find on any information how Motown Records went. I tell you what, let's sign. Uh, see that guy on the the, the Sea Breams Golden <laughs> Wine Cooler adverts. Singing, I like the way he's harassing that young woman. <laughs> that dog. I like the way he's shouting in that dog's <laughs> that face. Maybe he's a, in that. He's got it. I don't know what it is, but he's Remember got when it. we first saw Diana Ross and she was pissed on <laughs> Pina Colada and shouting in a dog's face? Well, it's like we've been, Kicking a cat bl down the been blessed again with this guy, right? <laughs> I find this absolutely mad that Motown just went, yeah, yeah, we'll sign you, mate. Yeah, no worries. 
What the fuck? Like, this is the same label that put out Stevie Wonder, The Jacksons, Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, The Supremes, The Four Tops, Smokey Robinson, mm. Edwin Starr. I could go on and on and on and on and on, right? Yeah. How did this happen? I, I, I mean, I'm sure you don't know because I don't fucking know. And I've really looked. Like, I've really yeah, looked. There is no information out there about this album at all. It's 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 like it's been made up just to toy with us. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, this is so weird. Someone, really? Why has no one gone, sorry, Bruce Willis signed to Motown? I mean, that's like Nicholas Lindus really like in thrash metal and going, <laughs> oh yeah, Nicholas Lindus released now I'm on Road, Roadrunner in 1991. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? At the height of Only Fools and Horses and just no one ever, no one mentions it. How? Why would you? Why, Why would, you? would you? If Rodney mm. from Only Fools and Horses <laughs> put an album out a year before October Rust by Typo Negative and Chaos AD <laughs> and had to talk... That would get talked about. And mm. yet Motown, you look at everything just like, yeah, and he put a Bruce Willis album out. Hold on. When? Why? Mm. How? Where? What? Who went and signed? Like, what? What? Huh? It, mate, it's really weird. It's so, so weird. I cannot believe Motown put this out. And you would think they would have been like, oh, you know, we had some chat with him and he did us a favour or he knew something. Like, there, mm. There's nothing. Nothing. I mean, the only thing I can think is, because obviously this album is uh, a companion piece to an HBO special, a mm -hmm. sort of mockumentary thing that comes along with it. I can only assume that HBO in some way has some sort of distribution deal with Motown for their soundtracks or something like that or had something there must have been some sort of I don't know contractual finagling where Bruce Willis was allowed to release this album on that prestigious label yeah I mean this is the the weird thing we get to weird thing about this album so the idea of this album is that this is not actually Bruce Willis the returning Bruno that we're talking about mm. is actually what a cad like, you are yeah, Bruce he's like um uh this, it's like Christopher yeah, Guest exactly right it's, it's his mm. alter ego Bruno Radellini so mm. again there is no mention anywhere of where Bruce Willis came up with Bruno Radellini um, and how mm. this developed and why he chose it it just seems like everyone's just gone oh yeah it's his alter ego Bruno Radellini who's an old sort of soul singer from back in the day yeah from New Jersey and you're like well okay yeah but when when did that develop when, like Tenacious D Jack, mm. they play themselves but they play kind of heightened versions of themselves mm -hmm. Spinal Tap it's sort of established that it's just this movie and then they went out mm. into the real world whereas here yeah. it just feels like Bruce Willis has gone I'm going to release an album but I've got this idea where it's going to be this thing and I can't really tell whether the film that accompanies it is the thing and they've released a, the soundtrack to it. Mm. Or if Bruce was like, I'm going to release an album. Hey, shall we make a mockumentary kind of documentary thing that'll be really, really funny to go along with it? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell. Like I did I did try and just... I'm just looking for reviews of this album as well because there aren't any of them. There is just nothing about it, really. Mm. It's the shortest Wikipedia page for an album released by... Yeah. A by a man who's won a film. Globe, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah, a, a megastar of Hollywood. Um, I, I saw, I think it was on the INDB page for the HBO special that said that that was released in order to promote the album. But 
D- did you watch any of the HBO? I watched the whole thing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, that doesn't that doesn't strike that doesn't strike me as something that you would do if you're really trying to big up the like brilliance of your album. So I really don't know which came first or or really why either of them particularly exist. No, I don't really either. So no. I think I feel like the album came first and then the faff came afterwards. That would be my instinct, right? Because in 1986... But then it's... It- it is kind of there is a self-deprecating kind of feel to it. There's a knowing like, oh, this is a bit silly, isn't it? Like all the way through the HBO thing. So it's like, but I, you wouldn't think Bruce Willis would go for that. Like he's, I, it doesn't seem like somebody would have been wanting to do comedy music because there's nothing funny about this album. Well, not intentionally no. anyway. No. So I, yeah, and it, it boggles the mind. Well, in 1986, his cover of "Respect Yourself" by the Staple Singers reached number seven on the UK singles chart and number five on the US Billboard Hot 100. Which is pretty mental. That's your debut single, mm. and it's it's a really really big hit, right? And then I mean, it took took Primus till their third album before they got to number seven on the Billboard. Yeah, it did. Yeah, which I yeah. think you know similar bedfellows. Is, I think is Les Claypool a better fit for John McClane? No, absolutely not. And there's your reason why. Well, uh, oh, hold on, yeah. We we can never know. No, can we? We'll, we'll, never know. Know. we'll never know. We'll never know. Until the Until reboot. Until the reboot, which I very much look forward to. Larry Lalonde as Hans Gruber. <laughs> yeah. It meant that to promote the album, uh, Bruce Willis, as you say, stars in a absolutely remarkable, frankly, hour-long television special <laughs> about Bruno and his legacy that was aired on the 7th of February, 1987 which is the aftermath of this album coming out. But I think it's worth talking about mm. it here. So you watched it, did you? Yeah. Watched the whole thing. Found it on YouTube. Me too. Uploaded by a user called Bruce Willis. So I can only assume that he's still proud of his work to this day. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I know. It's a, and it's, it, yeah. Right. So the first thing, right, it's meant to be a comedy. There is yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. Did, funny about did this. Did you find... There was one bit of it that I thought was uh, gave me a bit of a wry smile. There's a bit in in like the first minute where Michael J. Fox turns up and he says, yeah, I'm a, I'm a collector. We're a, a, what is it? Like a Bruniac or something yeah. like that. He says, yeah, I mean, there's nearly 20 of us worldwide. It was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And, and then the rest of it is just the same joke that wasn't very funny the first time all the way through where they're just going, oh yeah, but I mean, he was so influential. I mean, he uh, telling a story about like, how he got Ringo Starr kind of out of homelessness by introducing him to the rest of the Beatles. And it's like, uh, right, okay. And then it does that again with every yeah. other musician that has existed since 1960. Well, that they could get hold of for the special. Basically. I mean, it's so painfully obvious all the stuff that happens. I mean, Ringo Starr yeah, says Bruno yeah. introduced him to George Harrison at the Cavern Club and that there would be no Beatles without Bruno. But the thing is, right, yeah. when you then later see modern, well, for the time, modern footage of Bruce Willis performing as Bruno, which we'll get to because mm-hmm. that is probably the most astonishing footage um, <laughs> that there is on this. Right? Yes. He's clearly about 35. I mean, I looked at him, right? Bruce Willis is currently 68. Ringo Starr's 83. They're 15 years apart. And we all know that the Beatles formed when they were teenagers. So why would... Stop picking holes in the why... logic, Steve. It's just a bit of fun. Why would... It's just no, funny. No, no, no. Why would, jo- why would George <laughs> Harrison be hanging around with like a three-year-old American boy at the Cabin Club? And why would that... I think we that... know. <laughs> <laughs> he's can't def- he's dead he can't defend himself is that that's why he got stabbed on it they yeah knew. come at me um yeah. why would this three-year-old boy introduce Ringo Starr and Georgia it doesn't make any it's it doesn't make sense and they're all yeah, obvious gags I'd, like you know 
yeah fighting with the drummer on american bandstand and again like when you <laughs> they're all like here's grainy old footage of bruno playing in the six in the early 60s with a really really bad wig yeah, with a really bad wig like fucking emo <laughs> phillips right and then <laughs> and then when they start playing the song it's all like fucking synthesizers and 80s fucking production mm. you go well guys you could have at least tried to make it sound a bit like it sounded like when when you see Spinal Tap and they go back to like mm. when they were the, their their first iteration yeah, of the, yeah, the, the Thames, yeah like, yes. they they make the music sound like the time and then so you know he gets that mm. then he plays Woodstock and look he kind of he's got long and they do Young Blood which is not <laughs> one of the songs. well I mean there's no songs that you'd want to hear at Woodstock here but yeah yeah and I'm it's, it's I'm also going to pick on Ringo Starr says uh, you know R- Bruno gave. But I can't do Ringo. So, so <laughs> Thomas, um, Bruno, Bruno gave gave birth to the psychedelic era, and then chose him playing a, yeah. a psychedelic song from 1969. And you go, hold on, you even you yourself had released music two years before this, yeah. which was the, considered like the biggest. Like, you please don't. I know I'm being didn't a nitpicky try very fucking hard, bastard here. But don't no, do it doesn't no, make no, sense, no, no. right? You've got to make it make sense. Yeah, this isn't nitpicky. This is just like because the film is not good, competently no. made enough, or well, no, or well written enough for it to be a kind of weird surrealist time warp thing. Like, there's no care or you know attention given to it. It's just a vehicle for Bruce Willis's album. That I mean, I, I, I really I don't understand why why either of them exist. To be honest, I think they're. Well, we'll get into the album a bit. I think the film is just really fucking boring. It's so boring. Like, yeah, those, those just dull. It, it's really, and you know, it's uh, uh, fucking, you know, Ringo Starr talking about him giving birth to the psychedelic era, him playing mm. Woodstock and being fucking not on the, the film and it's a scandal, him yeah. doing disco, him mm. doing under the boardwalk in, you know, and the, the, you know, the Bee Gees are, the Bee Gees are, we, we never would have done Saturday Night Fever without his, input because he said yeah. saturday and you're like is that that's your fucking joke is it barry mm. gibb i mean the joke is oh we all like bruno it's like and that's yeah. it for best part yeah. of an hour Bru- he's yeah. a, he's a genius he's a brilliant and then you hear the music and you're like i don't know what you lot really? are hearing to be honest because like yeah yeah. It, yeah and i know you can probably get away thing. with that a bit i guess because like you know it's something like getting to the greek when you hear yeah. um, Russell Brand's supposed Bad good music, music. Yeah. on that, yeah. you are like, it's pretty rubbish, isn't it? It's pretty rubbish. But you've got yeah. to suspend your disbelief a bit. I don't mind that so much. But it's actual, the, you know, the people they've got on it. Brian Wilson, Elton John, Paul Stanley, Michael J. Fox, Joe Bez, Billy Graham, The Temptations, John Bon Jovi. The, the list of people yeah. on here is at that time, a, a veritable who's who. It's absolutely fucking mad, isn't it? That they managed to get all those people yeah. just to say, Are they... <laughs> "He was good." Hey, go on, talk about this really brilliant fake artist and be hilarious yeah. because the ma- you know the man from the wine cooler advert. He wants <gasps> what Seagram's wine coolers? <laughs> the one who's shouting in the dog's face? Oh yeah. <laughs> when I'm gonna, I'm cancelling my US tour. Says Elton John. I'm cancelling my US tour. And I'm going to do that instead. It's really weird. It's it's really weird. And I think as boring yeah. and as stupid as most of that is, when we get to the live footage, so the first, it's an hour long and it feels yeah. like 
It feels every minute uh, of it. It really does feel yeah. like a, at least an hour. I rewatched the, the the Fellowship of the Ring a few weeks ago, and that felt significantly shorter to me. Yeah, at least I enjoyed. Yeah, it. the performance of Bruce Willis as Bruno, um, live, uh, has got a certain charm to it. Um, I mean, <laughs> he's got the. We, it's funny we did Muse and we talked about their big telly on the last mm. episode, right? Yeah. Because at least the big telly is something quite impressive. The biggest mm. rim to your hat is not as impressive as it. <laughs> Bruce Willis no, not has got a hat which is longer than an Olymp- with the rim is longer than an Olympic diving board. It is yeah. fucking um, massive that hat. The the one thing I just kept big like, I couldn't yeah. stop looking at how big his hat was. Because he doesn't wear and he, he it's a costume change. He puts on like a, a big trench coat and the hat and a pair of sunglasses after one song. <laughs> and you're like, why? What are you meant to be? Like, <laughs> I don't... Uh, I think I think we know, Steve. He's meant to be secret agent, man. <laughs> but it wasn't that song. It, was, no, <laughs> it wasn't that song. It's almost like the film doesn't hold together at all. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you, I would say that if there it was, is a big there was only one reason to watch the film The Return of Bruno and it is just to go bloody hell that is a big hat that is a big rim to that hat mm. that's the payoff that is it yeah I would say that is probably it that and um, he starts laughing at one point whilst he's singing because he does a knee slide on fun time mm. and there's some women in the front row who are in their 50s and should know better really wipe their pants off his head <laughs> Do you see that bit? Yeah. Start wiping, it's gruesome, start isn't it? Wiping their, it starts like lying there and they get their knickers out and start like just rubbing his fucking face in their pants. It's bizarre. Yeah. I, you'd see that in a Jonas Ackerman. <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking like a very, very short, soulful 80s funk version of 100 Days of, of uh, Salem or whatever it's called. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, Salem, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then he does, and then he screams like, he screams the life. So mm. I listen to the album, then I watch this and I was like, God, because like, you think, you listen to the album, you go, he's not the most subtle of vocalists. And then you watch, the, you watch no. him live and you're like, he's like, he's got, like Max Cavalera's got <laughs> a nice, <laughs> under a pale a nice sky is all chilled out. Bruce yeah, yeah. like, just walk around, he's going, sitting on the dock of a bay. <laughs> like, yeah, um, he's going for it, isn't he? He does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he'd done it with that dog. It, 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 that's what he that's was known his, for. That's his thing. Uh, he goes that's again. Screamy Bruce. His final him. costume changes into a white suit uh, with white glasses and a little hole in them. And then he does a big um, harmonica solo. And to be fair to him, he can play the harmonica quite. He can play a harmonica. harmonica quite well. So um, mm-hmm. there you go. The the return of Bruno, the movie, um, is really for I would say completionists and people who mm. like looking at big head big, big ass hats, basically they're yeah. the two main people that would get something from this, <laughs> i think um the special was nominated for an ace award that's an award for cable excellence in 1988 for writing in a musical series or special losing out to the bravo show a history of jazz 
I should fucking hope so, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that had at least three jokes in it. It so. does, yeah. It's pretty terrible, yeah. but it appears to have its defenders. I went on IMDb. It's got a score of 6.0 with seven reviews. And it's got a few 10 mm. out of 10 reviews. Some, some of them are mental. Some of them are mental. They're like, yeah. it's, like yeah, yeah. it's a laugh along for the ages. And it's like, there's nothing <laughs> the- funny about this at all. Nothing. There are some head cases in the reviews for this album and this film. Yeah. Um, somebody says, oh, yeah. this is the film that Bohemian Rhapsody wishes it was. I don't think that Bohemian Rhapsody was ever meant to be a Spinal Tap style satirical rockumentary about a fake musician. But, you know, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so anyway, the third single from the album um, after Young Blood, which didn't get anywhere, came in May 1987. So this is obviously after the album came out. It was a cover of Under the Boardwalk with The Temptations as his backing band. Again, absolutely mental. Mm which got to number two on the UK singles chart. Uh, America had already woken up to the fact that this was maybe not that great and it only made number 59 in America. Funnily enough, don't want to name drop too much, but I was talking to Dan from Skindred today and Dan from Skindred said to me, my mum bought that, Bruce Willis mm. under the boardwalk, and I think it was a bit of a one for mums, basically. It kind of tapped into that pre-Robson yeah. and Jerome market of oh i know him he's that hunky man from the telly singing a song that i already know just not as well as the original i think that's the reason that that happened the pre-michael buble yeah yeah Mm. but just shouting you can imagine the kind of cross between (laughs) michael buble as done by Gigi allen (laughs) yeah if you can imagine sort of um michael buble crossed with david Mm. vincent uh, <laughs> then you're sort of I'd love close, that. Yeah. Um, anyway let's get into the Christmas radical let's get into the reviews for the record there are not a lot of reviews this. as I said there is scant information mm. about this record not a lot of reviews there is only one that I could find from the time from People Magazine People Magazine gave it a B plus I'm starting to wonder what it's doing here Sam because it did well got well yeah. reviewed at the time uh-huh. so anyway the B plus I'm going to read the whole thing since you know we've got it it says, for his first cable special, Bruce Willis borrows a trick tried before with much success by This Is Spinal Tap and without so much success by John Candy and Eugene Levy with their Schmeng brothers. I don't even know what that is. Willis adds loads of nice twists. I oh, know, I don't no. need to see that. Willis adds loads of nice twists and touches as he creates an imaginary rock legend named Bruno and makes a documentary about him. Bruno has done it all. He bought the Beatles together. He made Woodstock free. He was Bruce Lee. The guy- oh, there's a bit where they were like, they're literally talking about him being literal Bruce Lee. And mm. I was like, what? It's, what are you want about? Well, how? He said what? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I'd give it up by that yeah. point. The guy has more fame friends than Robin Leach, and they all come to praise him. Michael J. Fox, Elton John, Ringo Starr, Phil Collins, John Bon Jovi, Brian Wilson, and of course Dick Clark. Bill- Willis is at his best when he blasts Bruno into the past to mock American Bandstand, Woodstock the movie, psychedelic rock, and disco John Travolta. Uh, all of those things are very bad, by the way. Um, when yes. he sings soft ballad, The Temptations Under the Boardwalk, he's surprisingly okay. But in the last half, when he rocks for real in front of a live surprisingly audience, okay. <laughs> yeah, Willis shows us that he, quite, <laughs> he can't quite shout songs as well as Don Johnson. So Springsteen, he ain't. Funny he is. The special won't make Willis a rock star, but it does add to his portfolio as an, entertain, as an entertainer. And by the way, as an extra, extra added attraction, you get to see Willis with a full head of hair, a Beatles page boy and hippie hanks. Believe it or not, he looks better in his usual sparse and spiky tufts. A little bit of uh, haircut info at the end there. Good yeah. to see, isn't it? Bit of haircut banter. That's mm. what you want in your in your album. The reviews. only kind of other place I could find a review for it was All Music, which gave it three stars. 
uh, a little while ago and said at the height of moonlighting mania and after the sea green wine cooler commercials showcases <laughs> vocal skills is that fucking is that like don't you have to put like paid presentation like should, uh, have sea green oh, yeah, wine coolers affiliate. paid <laughs> to have their name put into this review by all music I feel like they may have done I think so uh, hey when they show up in the next issue of metal and we now, this know. is interesting. Motown asked Bruce Willis to record a full album. Did they? Mm. Mm. A full album of blues, R&B and soul, hence the return of Bruno. I mean, if that's the story, Motown saw the Seabream wine cooler commercial and went, <laughs> we got to sign this guy. Like we were saying, like, I just... Mm. I just think they'd need a little bit more than that. If that is all it takes the to get... The way he stood next to that washboard. No thing. wonder that fucking label went down to shit like like if if that's who they were signing in the 80s like fuck mm. me um hence the return of bruno willis has more vocal talent than say sybil shepherd harsh but that doesn't quite have the conviction <laughs> or skill of the blues Poor brothers sybil. often it's difficult to hear him strain for notes on familiar items like under the boardwalk young blood and respect yourself but that same limited talent makes the ready-made originals jackpot down in Hollywood and flirting with disaster, appealing kitsch. And really, the return of Bruno isn't anything more than a kitsch artifact. Willis may deeply believe he has vocal talent, but the album stands more as a testament to the excesses of the Reagan-era celebrity and baby boomer nostalgia than as a piece of music. And those are the only two proper reviews that I could find. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Alan Lister's one. That's quite good. <laughs> well, I was going to say, so... We had oh, to go yeah. to the well. We had to go away from professional <laughs> scum music journalists like like us, mm. right? Who are arrogant and don't reflect the common man. Yeah. And instead, we'd had to go to look at the scores from the real people, the people who are saying the real things, the things that people want to hear from Amazon. The man on the, the man street. The man on the street. Telling it how yeah. it is. Take that Washington. Mm. From Amazon.co.uk. Over at Amazon.co.uk, this album has a 155 different separate ratings, giving it an overall score of 4.6 out of 5. That is pretty impressive, right? I, w- I would argue a little bit high. I'm potentially a little bit high. Quite a few five-star mm. reviews. Let's check them out. Um, here's a few that I enjoyed. On the 14th of August, 2020, Patrick M. said in his title... Uh, his review titled Bruce Willis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on, I mean, Patrick. You can't argue with that. Come on. Yeah. He's, Don't bury the lead, He said, Patrick. love this album. Not something many people about. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there, isn't it? There's not something that many people about, do they? Well, evidently, I mean, from your tireless research, there, there's not much about. Exactly. Uh, on the 10th yep. of April, um, 2014, Mrs. N. Cook titled her five-star review, Bruce Willis at his absolute best. That's Golden Globe winning actor Bruce Willis from Pulp Fiction and The Sixth Sense at his best on this, al- mm-hmm. on this album. That, yes. That's what yeah. you think, is it? That, All downhill from you, this. That's yeah. what you think. Uh, on the 27th of April, 2013, Whiplash Smile titled their review, You've Got to Love a Little Bit of Bruce. Uh, and they said, I had this album on vinyl when I was young and I thought I might try it again on CD. It was okay, but I think I might have forgotten exactly what it is that I liked, but it is okay. 
five stars. Why have you given out five stars? <laughs> Dear Why me. have you given out five stars? Uh, I don't know, I, mate. I don't know what's wrong with these people. Why have, you go- Why have you gone? I don't really remember it sounding like this, and I'm not sure that I like it. It's perfect. (laughs) I I do not understand. You've got, I mean, it's almost like resignation, the title. Well, you've got to love, unfortunately, even though I don't, (laughs) you've got to love a bit of Bruce. You are legally obligated to give this five, even though I... Against my will. Against my will. My family will be shot if I don't. Yeah. Um, Mm. On the 11th of December, 2015, George said, hip, hip, hurrah. Fast, fantastic album. That was the title of his review. And he said, mm. must have if you're into R&B. Proper rhythm and blues though. Not today's R&B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds like a man who is on yeah. the verge of voting for Brexit, I think. He, <laughs> yeah, you know definitely. I mean? when, when was that, that review was, published? That was December 2015. And he was just waiting was for that referendum. He was, yeah, he was, he was like, send the buggers back with their fake R&B. <laughs> send the buggers back. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh uh, the final one that we're going to go through for the, the out of fives, uh, five out of fives is going all the way back to the 20th of May, 2001. Um, Sean.nagle at virgin.net. Do you remember that when you would happily put your yeah. email address on your real name, <laughs> your real yeah. name and your email address <laughs> on the internet for everybody to see? Definitely. Mm. Well, you know, he would have in 2001, he would have been listening to Lateralis and Toxicity. He had nothing else to care to about. And Life didn't get any and better. And the return. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he titled his review Pure 80s Quality and said, for anyone who likes Motown style music with harmonica added in, you should get this album. Yeah. I mean, that is quite a small amount of people, I would have thought. Mm. You just go like, I like Motown, but only if there's harmonica. So what, just like a few Stevie Wonder yeah. songs? That's basically it, isn't it? And this... <laughs> Like, well, yeah, finally, yeah. I've just been listening to Isn't She Lovely on repeat for the last 30 years. <laughs> Something else has finally sated my perishing thirst. Yeah. Uh, he says, Secret Agent Man is exceptional, as is Jackpot, Fun Time, and the classic collaboration with The Temptations under the boardwalk. All the tracks tell a story. This album is a must-have. So he liked it a lot. It's not all good, though. There is a one-star no. review. Only one. Only one one-star review. Now... I usually get a little bit annoyed when people review the case or the artwork or the hardware or how quickly it arrived. But in this instance, I'm going to let poor Alan Lister from the 22nd of June, 2022, only a year ago, one year ago, right? Bought this. Yeah. And standards have slipped since those halcyon days. Since since the pre-Brexit days. Yeah, since Sean.Nagel at virgin.net. Got his copy <laughs> of pure 80s quality. Um, yeah. Alan titled his one-star review, Hygiene, Please. And the review says, there was a pube stuck to the disc. Try try looking in the case. Filthy. <laughs> and there's not many times. There's not many times where I would go... I normally go, oh, the case was cracked. It's like, I'll fucking get over it. I don't like the artwork. Like, I, normally I go, but I think if I bought something from Amazon, a CD, and there's a pube in there. 
I think you would actually I complain. Think yeah, that is actually fair enough. That is. I think Alan Lister is well within his rights to have left that review. I think that should be on. That should have been on Watchdog. Frankly, <laughs> I think Alan Lister was a huge fan of Bruce Willis's The Return of Bruno, but his oh, copy had become yeah. scratched. So he decided to buy another copy from Amazon.co.uk and was horrified when it arrived. You think he could like? That's not one of Bruce Willis's pubes, surely. Well, we'll have to get to the cloning yeah, lab and clone find out. Bruce Willis, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Mm. Harmonising himself, shit. Then two, Bruno Wood two, return. Two different Bruce Willis's. Just be like Looper. <laughs> get like. Joseph Gordon Levitt, okay, and they'll just shout in a yeah. dog's face and then chuck a like watermelon <laughs> smoothie or something over. It. Anyway, um, yeah, Alan, yeah, you, if you're listening, I'm I'm with you. I think, yeah, fair play, mate. Yeah, it yeah. is filthy to find a pube in your. I can't think of yeah. if you're going to buy a CD. What would be more filthy than than that? What would be more like? Ugh, make you go Ugh. an Elstorm CD? That would probably make me be like. Ugh. I mean, that's bad that enough. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty grim. Charts wise, did okay. Got to number fourteen on the US Billboard two hundred. Peaked at number four on the UK album chart. Sold one hundred thousand copies in the UK. That's gold. And half a million copies in the US. That's gold as well. You can't argue with that. I'm starting to be like, have we made a fucking mistake here? Should the return of Bruno have been left and not part of this podcast at all? I don't know. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Sam. What do you think? Of the Return of Bruno by Bruce Willis. I think it's the perfect companion piece to its film, whichever one came first. Because you know what? Like, I just think this is really boring. I think there are a lot of things about it that are quite inept. But when I look at the list of, you know, 80 odd albums that we've gone through, I don't think this is anywhere near as bad as a hell of a lot of stuff we've done. I mean, coming right up, it's daft you know as far as i can tell uh you know kind of a bawdy song about room service being a metaphor for something else oh matron uh respect yourself i mean whatever like a serviceable cover i don't think it's awful i think bruce willis is the weak link on his album well, i'm gonna, I'm gonna um, pick you up right away if you don't mind okay. because the opening song i think you kind of become immediately aware of just how bad a singer Bruce Willis is. He's 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 genuinely. Yeah, I mean, he is not. Talks good. his way through quite an average '80s soul pop song. He's no Martin Fry, is he? Let's be honest. No. But to his credit, he's got quite a lot of personality. The thing is, because he's like bawling and barking away so much throughout that song, I didn't know what was going on. And then suddenly he just goes, "Oh, this is delicious. You made yourself, did it? Come here, baby. Mm. Let me fix your stocking." And I was like, "What? Hold on. What have I missed? Like, don't make me listen to yeah. this again." Don't let make me fucking rewind it and go, what, 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 what is this about? But because he's all like, come right up. I'm coming right up. I'm coming And then, oh, baby, you look so fine tonight. I was like, oh, what the fuck? I thought it was. The floor nanny now. Fucking hell. And then the cover of Respect Yourself, which is a staple singer song, uh, although it is basically Bruce Willis doing it in the Kane Gang version mm. in 1984 that's more what it's sort of yes. that is a hard song to sing and bruce willis makes mm. it seem like not a hard song to sing to sing and that is not a compliment i don't mean that in a whitney houston kind of way like it's kind of effortless no. what i mean by that is the original is very hard to sing so bruce willis decides he's not actually going to sing it at all and he just actually just goes yeah 
I went in then, first back to ourselves. And then in the second verse, just goes, ah, fuck this. Fuck this. I'm not. Yeah, and somebody better. else sings yeah. the rest of the song. And yeah. it's like, he's, oh, this isn't working. I can't sing this. You sing it instead. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, it'll be my name on the song. Yeah, yeah, still, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, it'll be mm. my picture on the album cover, but you still sing it. It's like, you fucking what, mate, you cheeky bastard? How would he feel if the poster for Die Hard said, starring Robert Davey, and they'd had a picture of Argyle the chauffeur on it, and not him? He'd be livid, wouldn't he? He'd be pissed off. He would be livid, yeah. So, yeah. He would be pissed don't off. do it to other people. Yeah. So, it's not a great but, start, I, mean, I don't think. It's not a great start, but I think it, you know, basically kind of continues in a similar vein from that. I think the whole thing is absolutely fine. Like, in terms of the crap albums we have listened to, I think it's absolutely fine. He is rubbish. He was rubbish. We had to let him go in the end. He was rubbish. But, like, I don't don't think... I think Bruce Willis should be embarrassed, but I think the rest of it is just, like, it's fine. It's kind of... It feels like karaoke CD versions of rock standards. Mm. And it's like, cool. I've heard far, far worse than this. I do think Secret Agent Man is fucking ridiculous, though. Why have put the James Bond stuff in there? That just, I don't know why that was done. Um, oh, and actually, I think, th- for me, the nadir of the album, which, like I say, it's just kind of whatever. I mean, by the by the time I get to the end of it, I'm like, I really don't care anymore. I, I like the film. I just, I get very, very bored about two thirds of the way through and then just kind of gloss over the ending. Apart from Jackpot brackets bruno's bop which is as far as i can tell the only song that bruce willis has a writing credit on so clearly he's not an adept songwriter or performer <laughs> yeah he does something but yeah. i think his writing credit is where yeah. he just goes now now you want me to do it now and they go yeah now and he goes yeah. the harmonica <laughs> what do you mean now he's like no. do now and there's, there's all that i mean you know there's a raikou the the, the raikouda song down in hollywood so i'm not familiar with the original mm. soulful kind of blues 80s pop thing Sounds like the opening credit Danny. music to uh, <sighs> Steve Martin and Martin Short comedy about two down on their luck Hollywood writers who get, or you know, mixed up in a real life murder plot or something like that, which is a film. That, yeah, and what's what's not great about conjuring that image? I'd like that. Uh, you get a bit of rinky yeah. dinky piano and blues riffing, and Bruce sounding bad. Like he, there are times in this album where he sounds like Joe Cocker, if Joe Cocker was trying to sing whilst he was in the middle of having a stroke and a wank at the same time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He sounds like he's a troubling image. Yes. <laughs> <Very> troubling image. <laughs> like he's got, he's sort of happy because he's tugging with one hand and then he's got a pain mm. in the other hand and he's like, oh, and his, his yeah. face is drooping. And he's just sort of trying to sing under the board at the same time. And it's all under the a mess. And whoa, whoa. Youngblood, there's a bit where, again, like, because it's all mumbly and I didn't know what he was saying for most of it. Mm. And then it suddenly just goes, you better leave my daughter alone. And again, I got that thing where I was like, what? What have I fucking missed here? And it turns out it's, um, <laughs> you know, uh, young blood, you can't, I can't, can't get you out of my mind, which I don't think is aged. I think it's aged that well. Um, mm. You know, I think you listen under the boardwalk and, you know, he's on top of Pops doing that and he's a pretty bad singer. I mean, mm. I think only Pierce Brosnan in the world of acting is worse. If you see Mamma Mia, Pierce Brosnan's pretty bad. So yeah. Pretty bad. Pretty I think bad. we should talk about, I think, the low point of the album, Secret Agent Man, James Bond is back. Secret Agent Man. What's wrong, what's wrong with that? Well, it's the James Bond theme turned into some kind of slinky soft rock ballad. 
it has some of mm. i think maybe the most unsettling backing vocals i've ever heard just some blokes going oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> like, 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 like they dropped a spanner on their foot or something do you know what I mean? it's really bad like they picked up a really hot plate <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> secret agent man secret agent man he might not live to see another day rubbish yeah well i mean that that is a really hot casserole dish so <laughs> yeah you know. it's got a key change which cannot hit the key change <laughs> see, and the, again the backing vocals secret agent man secret agent like it comes in after this massive bizarre saxophone solo and, yeah. and there's a sound at one point of what I presume to be a woman falling off of a building. Because this woman just goes, <laughs> like in the middle. Of, and you just, it's it's mental. It's, it's absolutely fucking hilarious, that song. It's hilarious. Yeah, that, that is bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else is on here, really? Like, that's, that's bad. Well, I mean... I, I struggle to maintain any interest by the time we get to fun time. Like fun time, lose fun myself time. in a disaster. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what they sound like on this album. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just, lose myself. My eyes glaze over. Lose myself. It's not a cover of "Lose Yourself" by Eminem, which is something I would have liked to have heard. Um, yeah. It, again, Bruce talking about the majority of the song. It seems to be about a girl who's stressed out, and Bruce wants to lose himself in love that evening until he can't walk mm. straight. Uh, it's apparently written on the girl's face that she also wants to lose herself in love with Bruce as well. Um, which I don't think will hold up in court, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it just won't, will it? And, um, oh, fuck. It was a verbal contract. <laughs> yeah. Fun time is fucking funny. Is I actually, like, I, it's something brilliantly cheap about fun time. Um, but yeah. sort of very, it's very joyous. Like the backing girl saying, Give a little, give a little fun time is good. But when Bruce comes in, <laughs> he's got a little jingle jangling in his pocket. That's del- oh, delightful. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely stuff. It's yeah. a fun song. I know these aren't his lyrics, but I do think it's fun time, fun time. Let yourself be happy. It's fun time. It's break time, shake time. Let yourself be happy. They're not great lyrics. Mm. And the saxophone is a proper electro sax in it. That is not a real saxophone. Mm. That is that is like the no. fucking T one thousand of saxophones. That is like not a real. <laughs> it's so brilliantly cheap. Um, mm. And yeah, we end up with uh, some sort of classic eighties car chase music on flirting with disaster, which is mm. I think what if this chapter of Bruce Willis's life should be called in his biography. <laughs> and quite the metaphor. It's actually got some real singers on it, which probably makes it better and i can't help feeling that mm. it, it doesn't help bruce willis's cause to get better singers on here but it does help no. the actual album's cause do you know what i mean i don't think this is a dreadful yeah, album yeah it's very much of its time and maybe it helps it's not dreadful like i think i think you saying with fun time like a bit of fun you know a bit of a laugh that's how i see this entire mm. thing i mean it, it should not have been put out on motown it shouldn't have been tied into an hbo special that's the thing i find most weird about all of this is that the amount of promotion that went into this but it was so clearly not very good not abhorrently bad, but just not very good. It's like, why? Why did this happen? I, just, I don't know. I mean, Bruce Willis is yeah. the problem on his own album. I mean, I think, you know, like yeah. I say. Like Vanilla Ice. Yeah. I mean, maybe it helps that I'm sort of morphing into Patrick Bateman in my elder years. And that's why I've actually sort of a soft spot for this sort of thing. But I mean, Muse, mm. if you're listening, this is what the 80s actually fucking sounded like. The problem here, <laughs> it is 
Bruce Willis moaning and groaning and slurring and gurning mm. his way through this album. But is it even meant to be good? I mean, is it even meant to be good? Bruno's like this, you know, this character's like a fucking... I think it probably is meant to be good because, you know, when we get to the aftermath, uh, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, th that that's the thing. That is the, the confusion, I think, of this being a, a companion piece to something else that also doesn't really know what it's doing. Because like I say, there's that bit at the beginning with Michael J. Fox where he does do a kind of self-deprecating joke about being a fan of Bruno Radolini. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, if that's the tone of the whole thing, great. But then the rest of it is about, oh, no, he is brilliant. Yeah. Like, but not done with a kind of uh, wink and a nudge or whatever. It's just like, oh, no, no, he's brilliant, obviously, you know. <laughs> obviously, everyone knows Bruno. Listen to how great the album is. It's like the, the two things just, they don't work together. They don't really work separately at all. Like, they don't, they just don't work. Um, you're saying Patrick Bateman. I do have in my notes that coming right up does sound like something that Patrick Bateman would have on while he was axe murdering Jared Leto. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. And I quite like it for that. Yeah, me too. I I I got I, yeah. I like it for that. I mean, look, it's not absolutely dreadful. We'll get we'll rank it in a second. No. But yeah, let's talk about the aftermath because I think this is quite fascinating, right? Willis was, you know, pretty successful with this album initially. Mm. You know, it got in the charts, mm. went gold on US and in the UK. Number two in the UK as well, like we said. But while all this was going on, he had been cast in the part of John McClane in the mm. movie Die Hard, a part that was actually contractually offered to another singer actor originally do you know who this is sam oh oh singer actor mm. uh hugh jackman hugh no, jackman another hugh jackman would have been about 19 then no no and well bruno was three <laughs> yeah, he was. yeah it's true um <laughs> frank sinatra yeah i think i had heard that so before. right yeah. so so basically Frank Sinatra in the 60s made a film called The Detective and he played mm. the lead role, which was John McClane. And this is in the 60s. Mm. And he had a clause in his contract that if ever they made a sequel, and this isn't, you know, this is from a book, Nothing Ever Lasts Forever, which is then sort of morphed into Die Hard, but essentially because it's the same author, the same set of books, same character, the clause in his contract said if ever they made a sequel to that film, he had to be brought back or asked to be brought back as the lead role. Mm. So you have this absolutely mad turn of events where a man in his 70s is being offered <laughs> the fucking part of John McClane um, mm. which is I say it's kind of mad it seem, it doesn't seem as mad now if you've watched the last couple of Die Hard films to be fair um, yeah but yeah uh, but that they couldn't get old blue eyes so they got the next best yeah thing. so they, he turned it down and it was offered to loads of people like if you know about the kind of making of die hard it was it was turned down by stallone it was turned down by chuck norris it turned down by schwarzenegger it was turned down by jean-claude van damme who i think would have been fucking awful anyway it's turned down by mm. a lot a lot a lot of people i think tom Selleck turned it down or am i thinking of am i thinking of indiana jones I think there was a, a lot of people. Oh, Al Pacino, James Kahn, Mel Gibson, Don Johnson, Paul Newman, Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Richard Gere. Yeah. Uh, they all turned it down. Some very, very strange choices there. Pretty weird, yeah. Pretty weird. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, this is, you know, obviously Bruce Willis's big breakthrough thing and turns him into an A-list Hollywood star. This comes out 18 months after this album comes out. And, mm. you know, 
Diard was fucking massive. It still remains, let's be honest, it's bigger than the return of Bruno. Hence why you've seen Die Hard <laughs> a little bit. 20 odd times and you've yeah. never heard this album, probably, I would mm. say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's, that's sort of what happened. And then, you know, in 1989, he released his second solo album, If It Don't Kill You, It Makes You Stronger, which features no mention of Bruno at all. So this is now full-blown Bruce Willis as a solo mm. artist. Um, it's actually a little bit better. I actually listened to it. It's got a song on it, a song on it called "Turn It Up." Open brackets, a little louder. Close brackets, which is lovely fun. Bruce Willis being boisterous is actually quite good. Um, it's kind of shouting a, at people. Mm, yeah. It says, "Turn it up a little louder. Put the speakers by the door. Turn it up a little louder. That's what neighbors are for." Ho, 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 Bruce, and we thought Bruno was the card. <laughs> we here. really did. Uh, and then Bruce Willis goes on to have. Um, you know, a very, very successful music, uh, not music career, doesn't have a very successful music career. <laughs> uh, he also a yeah. very, very successful film career. Um, mm. And he's very good. For a while. Well. Yes. For the most part, he's good. Now, when it comes to ranking this, it's quite a tough one, isn't it? Not really sure where we start. It is quite tough. Because ultimately, <sighs> no one really cares. I think, no one really cares. That this even no. exists, I don't think. I think even Bruce Willis is probably just like, whatever. Fuck it, whatever. Yeah. And so it doesn't have anything really riding on it. It's sort of obviously been dwarfed by the huge success of him as an actor that happened in the immediate aftermath of this record coming out, which I guess is why it's here, because a lot of people are like, oh, he's going to be a rock star. Oh, no, he's not. He's not even a comedy actor anymore. He's a big fucking tough action hero suddenly. Like, mm. um, so yeah, I don't really think there's a lot riding on it particularly. And nah. it sort of sounds like there isn't. It's really weird and it's probably not that good. But then when I look at the top end of stuff, I mean you certainly would get me listening to their version of um you know f- well quite quite a few of the songs on here I would take, you know, Respect Yourself is just a great yeah. song. Um I'd take Secret Agent Man over Gene Simmons doing Firestarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would, wouldn't you? You would. So yeah, a million times. I'm not over. really sure where we kind of whack this. It doesn't feel like it's a kind of lost classic that people need to go and listen to, but it's also no. not really anything particularly offensive either, I would say. I think there's a kind of ooh, 10 or so album, like, chasm where it could go and i think it would be kind of fitting in any of the any of the positions really i think it needs to go below uh can i be frank by or let us be frank by westlife because that is fucking bad like that is really bad and i don't think i think bruce willis is that much more charming that i would forgive a bad performance over kind of sullying some real real fucking classic stuff mm-hmm. um but it, yeah, so it needs to go below that to my mind. It also cannot be um, rated higher than the Transformed Man because I think those are the albums where it's like, actually, I get some joy out of these. Okay. So yeah, I mean, there's kind of uh, so, somewhere between 65 and 73, I think it needs to go, but I don't quite know where. So to give that little list uh, a kind of an area, you've got Fisher Spoon as number one, See the Finding Beauty in Negative Spaces, The Twang, Neon Twang, The Weirdness by Stooges, Danzig Sings Elvis, Tin Machine 2, Other Voices by the Doors, Christmas with Cliff, there it is, I Am Me by Ashley Simpson, mm. 
and Can I Be Frank by Westlife. Now, I agree with you. It's definitely better than Can I Be Frank. I would even say it's definitely better than Christmas with Cliff. Yeah. Right. You yeah. then have other voices by the doors, which is dead boring. You have Tin Machine mm-hmm. 2, which I think, again, is just really quite boring. Just quite dull. Yeah. Um, and you've got Danzig Sings Elvis. Now, this is where I think it gets a little bit harder because <clears throat> there's certainly something comparable, I think, to Danzig, who has always been compared to, you know, the evil Elvis and blah, 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 doing mm-hmm. kind of weird stuff with Elvis songs. And then Bruce Willis, who genuinely can't sing at all, just giving people the hits with Mm. these mostly quite good songs. I'm going to say it. I think Danzig Sings Elvis is better than this. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, yeah, Danzig at least tries to do something a little bit interesting with his takes, whereas Bruce Willis just can't do anything with his versions. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, there's other voices by the Doors and Tin Machine too. We, I, I kind of feel like I don't have any, I don't kind of have anything to say about either of those albums particularly. Um, no. I wouldn't be bothered if it was Christmas with Cliff, Bruce Willis, Christmas with Cliff, The Doors, Bruce Willis, or Christmas with Cliff, The Doors, Tin Machine, Bruce Willis, and then Danzig. I don't really mind. I think mm. I probably think Tin Machine is better than this yeah uh i mean i struggle to remember those two songs. they are just really really quite bland really albums yeah but, and i suppose i mean i i suppose i do get more enjoyment out of this but it's definitely it's kind of you know ironic enjoyment i suppose so yeah i think i think let's put it underneath christmas with cliff I think that's not the worst shout in the world so i don't know what number that is no but bruce willis uh yeah 60 Summit. 60 Summit. So he's done all right for himself, Bruce Willis. And we mean him no no, uh, no offence at all because he is, nope. he is, he is a great man. Uh, the Return of Bruno by Cliff Richard uh, goes... Oh, I've actually written... <laughs> by Cliff Richard. The, by Cliff Richard. By, by Bruce Willis, I should say. <laughs> uh, goes into the list. Christmas with Cliff by Bruce Willis. Yeah. I mean, look, there's maybe a couple of things that I might even go go back to on that. I don't know. I've actually put the retrun of Bruno. Oh, I spelled, I spelled it wrong, Sam. <laughs> oh. Do you want to know what we got next for next time? Oh, go on. Bloody hell. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I thought to myself, oh. can we get a bigger... We're not going to get a bigger, <laughs> weirder star than Bruce Willis. But I <laughs> okay. have been proved wrong. In fact, actually, could this be the UK's... I mentioned Nicholas Lindhurst jokingly earlier. <laughs> Next time, oh. we are doing It's Time for Love by Adam Woodyatt, a.k.a. Ian Bill. Wow. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's um, a purple patch for True Crap Pop. <laughs> Blimey. Crumbs. Adam Woodyatt, Ian Bill. When, when you're Ian Bill, how do you find the fucking time to record an album? Adam Woodyatt. Well, he uh, headlined Glastonbury the other week, didn't he? Adam Woodyatt. Yeah. As Axel. As Axel. <laughs> he did, yeah. You're quite yeah. right. Um, we've all seen the pictures. We've seen the pictures. And we love the pictures. So there you go. Next time, we're going to be going uh, full Ian Bill. 
Ian Bill. Ian wow. Bill. How fucking insulting for us already. We've just started calling him Ian Bill. <laughs> just hit me. It's the Sorry, new album mate, from Ian Bill. Um, <laughs> I'm just having a quick scan through his uh, Wikipedia page. I think it might be even harder to find information on this album, Ooh, mate, because we'll there is boy. nothing about his album. We'll find it, boy. Ooh. If anyone can find it. It was on Noel's house party. Was he? So that was good. Yeah. That's one of his television appearances. Oh, good. Is that relevant to this? I'm not sure that it is. We'll we'll watch that. We'll find it. No. Good. Anyway, uh, that's next time. We're going to be talking about Adam Woodyatt, a.k.a. Ian Bill. It's Time for Love. That has got a vomit-inducing title, even before I've even seen anything about it. Yeah. Uh, That'll be fun, won't it? (laughs) It'll be something. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We appreciate that. Um, I'm off to shout in a dog's face. And um, drink a. I'm going to go and harass Susan Sarandon. (laughs) (laughs) Just on Twitter, obviously, not in person. Okay. When did Bruce Willis harass Susan Sarandon? Or you just. In the advert. Sharon Stone. Oh, the. Oh, fuck it. All right. See you later. See you later, everyone.